There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello. Royfield here with another new advertiser. Now, before you go and say that you need to fast forward, this one is important. Well, all advertisers are because they help keep the lights on and pay our bills. But this advertiser is also extremely different, so please lend me your ears. As a good fan of the archers, you're probably impressed with Jim's scholarly knowledge of the classics by authors like Homer and Cicero. And he does drop in the odd reference to Nietzsche and people like Spinola from time to time. Now, if you are, go to OnlineGreatBooks.com. Online Great Books is designed to help you develop a regular habit of reading the great books. It has weekly reading goals, reading reminders, accountability tools and a dedicated community of fellow readers that help you keep track and on schedule with your reading. In fact, as Jim would say, you can learn ad libitum. Every month they select and send you an edition of one of the great books directly to your home. They begin with Homer and progress through the works of Plato, Aristotle and Descartes, Shakespeare. You get the drill. It's all the great thinkers. It's right up Jim's alley. So if you're interested in developing a lifelong habit of reading and studying the great works, go to onlinegreatbooks.com forward slash ROI and enter the promo code ROI to get a 25% discount off your first three months of learning. So it's bene cognita, as Jim would say. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. It's Sunday. We're in Notting Hill and we've all decided to meet up and have an excuse for a dum-de-dum just to meet the lovely Vicky Cole. She's come all the way over from from Kenya by the Isle of Wight, isn't That's it? Right. Yep, yep, yep. So here we are in sunny Notting Hill. I've flown over from San Francisco a day early because she's that important. We put ourselves out for our listeners on dum-de-dum. Now, far be it from me not to um, hanker down with tradition and to say that we need to do a group dum dum don't we, ladies? Yes, we do. Yes, yes we, we do. do. Now, first off, before we, we launch into this rendition of, uh, of our national anthem, of us, all of us members of dum dum land, we need to go round and introduce ourselves. First off, we have... Catherine Rowan-Jones from High Wycombe at 88 Ivy Fox on the Twitters. What a voice. And we have Woman of Mystery... Uh, who's joined us uh, joined us today, and she's given us lots of laughs round our pint of shires. You are? My name is Misinformation, and I live around the corner. 
So she does. And of course, our guest of honour is... I'm Vicky from Kenya. Yay. Now, after three, who's going to count us in? And I'm looking at you. You're looking at me. I'm looking at you, Rowan Jones. Okay. All right, so count us in and then we'll we'll have our dum-de-dum. One, two, three. Dum-de-dum-de-dum-de-dum-de-dum-de-dum-de-dum-de-dum-de-dum-de-dum-de-dum-de-dum-de-dum-de-dum-de-dum-de-dum-de-dum-de-dum-de-dum-de-dum-de
Last week, or rather the week before last, was all about sex on the Archers, or more specifically, people who were either being denied it, getting it elsewhere, trying to get it back again, or having it with wildly unsuitable people. In an effort to get back into Jennifer's Burkatex control tops, Brian turned up at St Stephen's, and after dodging the thunderbolts falling around him, pottered off to consult with that expert on women, Justin Elliott. Well, after all, Justin has had one wife who divorced him and now a girlfriend who won't marry him. So who better, quite frankly, compared with Brian, is Mariella Frostrup. Justin suggested, rather disturbingly, that Brian should have a crack at DIY. I've been doing that, said Brian, which is why I want to get back into bed with Jenny. Oh, I see, that sort. <laughs> Honestly, it is bizarre. What the hell happens to people's sexual psyche in Ambridge? The only way Neil gets his pecker up is by eating chilli which to every other man in Christendom results in him having to say, oh, sorry, sorry. No, that wasn't the dog. Actually, that was me. I'm sorry. I'll open the window. <laughs> and apparently <laughs> nothing lights Lillian's fire more than watching Justin measuring things. He fixed a dicky shelf, apparently. I don't know what that is, but I presume it is a shelf on which you put your dicky. Apparently there's a dicky shelf at home farm too, so Brian fixed that. <laughs> Jenny hadn't noticed there was anything wrong with it, as all the dickies looked fine to her. But there we are. Women don't look at them in the same way, maybe. Alwyn wrapped up the laptop with a jumper and returned it to Pat. Did that sort her? No, it did not. However annoying Alwyn is, just for a moment there, the entire nation got behind her as she shouted, every time I see you, Pat, I like you less and less, and then went for her with a bread knife. It was a miracle Pat wasn't stabbed. <laughs> Actually, the real miracle is how anyone who's shared a village with Pat for that many years has not gone for her with a bread knife before. Meanwhile, at home farm, the kitchen resounded to the words, put your hands on it and don't let it go, Jenny. You're all wet. Well, that's quite a phrase that hasn't echoed around home farm for a while. In another attempt to turn Brian Aldridge and Justin into the radio equivalent of Last of the Summer Wine, Brian decided that the only option left to him to win back Jenny's approval and access to her culvert was to climb a tree. <laughs> What is it with these Aldridges in moments of crisis? They all head for the upper branches. Are they part wood pigeon? Anyway, there he was up the tree and then Compo Elliot turned up on a horse, which Brian inevitably ended up sitting back to front on. Brian seemed to find the whole thing quite exhilarating. I didn't know I had it in me, he said. Yes, I'm sorry about that, said Justin, but you slipped when you were getting down. I didn't like to say anything. <laughs> Once we'd all stopped cheering at Alwyn telling Pat where to stick her laptop, we started again when Alistair pointed out to Shula that far from trailing round Ambridge fixing poorly cocker spaniels, he'd been having a hell of a time with lascivious Rafferty. But we used to laugh at her, bleated Shula, baffled. Oh, Shula, how old are you? Can you not tell the difference between a man properly laughing at a woman and a man who is laughing with his wife at a woman while thinking, I'll tell you what, I'd be up that like a rat up a drainpipe given half a chance. Well, there you go. You gave him half a chance. It's just a shame he said he regretted it. If I was him, I'd have said, yes, Shula, it was real, proper, red hot sex. She took her knickers all the way off. She didn't recite the Lord's Prayer once. We did it three and a half times and the half was only because my back went when I bent her over the ironing board and I'm going to do it again. First chance I get. And Kiki wops it too. Now my dad's finished with her. So so put that in your collection plate, you sanctimonious old bat. Sadly, instead, he went on to feel all guilty. It hasn't sat very well with me since, he said. In fact, I can't sit down at all without wincing. I'm that out of practice. We began the, the next week at the country fair. Freddie, the only adolescent in the world who says tip top, told his sister that people find out about affairs all the time. 
I mean, you could have told her that he was the one that found out about his mother's affair with Roy Tucker because she smelled strongly of ground sheets and looked like she'd gone <laughs> round with a tent peg. <laughs> Lily was bleating on about Russ or Russ T underpants to give him his full name. We love each other. This is for real. For anyone that's playing the affair game I am patenting called Sounds Familiar, you also get two points if you hear, it hasn't been a real marriage for years. They're only staying together for the sake of the children. He's not stingy. It's just so difficult for him to pay for things because they have a joint bank account. And he'd definitely be with me if it wasn't for his job slash money slash house slash Ashley's foot. Tom was at the cricket and panicking that there might be a pair of socks on the arm of the chair that Hannah might see. Lordy, she's moving in with Johnny. I'd imagine crusty socks are the least of it. It's what he wipes on the curtains she's got to worry about. Apparently, Johnny and Tom have a food kitty. No wonder Johnny's weird if he's living on cat food. Isn't Whiskers brilliant? <laughs> Brian persisted in his wooing of Jenny by congratulating her on being on top of the marmalade situation. I bet Bill Clinton said much the same to Hillary. The pickers have arrived at home farm, or this year's runners and riders, as Adam refers to them. They held their traditional pickers party. Why they don't call it the pick and mix, I don't know. I would. Anyway, Brian was horrified at the rumours about Alistair and lascivious Pegatty. You mean there's a horsey woman up for it, whose feet I haven't had in stirrups yet? Hold my rather good Scott. (laughs) He meandered into the kitchen and had another crack at Jenny while the pickers roared away slavonically in the background. Doesn't look like I'll be getting much sleep, said Brian. No, you won't, said Jennifer. I've forgiven you, so your pyjama bottoms are going to be going up and down like the Underwoods lift. Hurrah! The old silverback (laughs) is back in the game. The end. Hey. (laughs) I quite enjoyed that this fortnight. Well done. It's better than the fortnight stuff before. Oh, well done, Lucy. Well done. Now, where do I start? Where do I start? Hmm. I'm not much of a whiskey drinker, so I won't comment on that. But Lavinia, luscious Lavinia, right? How long do you think it takes our script writers to come up with these somewhat ridiculous but lovely fruity names for these silent (laughs) characters? Fruity names, that's good. I like that. (laughs) Um, I don't know, but that, you see, Rafferty has got a slight... There's kind of a raffishness. Exactly. And, you know, it's it's just lovely writing, isn't it? Was it Mr. Was it was it uh, Uncle God this week? I think it was. I think it was, yes. The whole week had smacked of Uncle God, I felt. Mm. Mm. I did, but the only name which I thought they could have, like, pimped up a little bit more was Martin Gibson's wife. You know, that that, that, that didn't have the, the the feel of the home county shire, horsey lady, considering that delicious kind of like line between, you know, her, or at least we were told about, you know, the hedgehog hair, hairstyle. And, oh, I uh, hated Jennifer. that. Yuck, 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 yuck. Hated that. That whole bit was like, do you remember, um, oh, all those 70s sitcoms kind of... Um, uh, oh, for God's sake, they've all gone out of my head now as soon as I started this conversation. You know, know. Um, just generically. And I'm actually like Penelope Keith and Penelope Keith and. Um, the Man Born. Uh, no, 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 no. In the Good Life, Jerry. Mm-hmm. Checkbook, Jelly. That's one. When when she would. Um, uh, um, when they would talk about his boss. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's always the boss's wife was a cow. And, you know, it's just very kind of laboured 70s sitcom stuff. I'm and like, it, I, it I agree just with didn't, you. Didn't, Jennifer's much wittier than that. She'd have said something much more subtle 
and much sharper, I think. But with a woman like that, the subtlety would have been wasted on her because she wouldn't have known. So you have to go full full throttle, surely, you know, going like, in your face. Yeah, but, but, I don't know. But, but, the, but I actually agree with you, though I actually quite liked that. But I thought it was somewhat absurd that uh, Martin Gibson's wife potentially is going to scupper the whole deal because it's going to be like for millions and like she wouldn't. She can say whatever she wants to say, but that's not going to make Martin Gibson wobble, wobble, sorry, on the whole thing. But the whole dynamic between Brian and Justin and the silliness with the taps, that was all totally 70s. Totally 70s. Yeah, well, it was last of the summer ambridge, wasn't it? That's absolutely what it was. Absolutely. So who's Nora Batty in all of this? <laughs> um, well, there isn't one, is there? Not because quite. all the working classes are having a hard time at the moment in Ambridge. Mm. Talking about working classes having a hard time, there was the whole Will and, and Susan thing, wasn't there? And, yeah. And the fact that Susan and Clary had had that moment where Clary yeah, goes, you, know, just, you are a great friend. Yeah, and then she goes and spoils it the week afterwards, doesn't she? Asks Susan, you know, she shows her wonderful side, and then picking on poor Alistair. Yeah, you know, in in the way that she did. Yeah, mm. yeah. Which I couldn't work out what the heck was going on in the shop at first when when she was you know ha- having a go at him. I was like, you know, have you not got the memo? But it was kind of female solidarity, and and dare I say it, yeah. she's understanding and taking out of them splitting up what she wants to presuming that it was kind of yeah. Alistair's fault yeah and mm. also there's that kind of she doesn't like the um you know when she said that woman is a saint about Shula she's completely sort of she's fallen for the whole thing hasn't she she's fallen for the for the persona that Shula likes to to, to display Mm. And she sees Lavinia Rafferty in her leggings <laughs> as, you know, somehow kind of, um, you know, she's a little bit in for a dig and she's not, you know, NQOC and all that. So she's sort of um, uh, slightly, it's upsetting her idea of the nice status quo. You know, in Susan's world, if you are middle class and nice and good, then nothing but you should be impervious to all to all trouble. And uh, and you're sort of letting the side down if you then go and draw mm. attention to yourself in any way. Yeah, and obviously Susan has aspired to be Jennifer a whole adult life, but actually an astute an astute observation of yours that actually, you know, she wants to be shorter, doesn't she? She wants to be solidly, solidly middle class. Or at yeah. least she would very much settle for that, and just in a twin set and pearls and uh, and boring. Well, most people that that uh, that. Most people that aspire to be that kind of very safe, that that, that very sort of middle class respectable in capital letters is mm. generally because they're people who have come from a very fragile background. And for them, that level of financial security, of social security, of not, I don't mean social security, you know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> security socially, um, that you're sort of supported by you're ins- you're insulated and insured against the hardship of life because you have money and background and respectability so 
that's why it's so important to her because she was always their family was always well, you know yeah, the horror bins were yeah and yeah they were always on the edge so to her Shula is the absolute epitome of you know respectability with a capital R and then Alistair's come along as far as she's concerned Alistair's come along and sort of smashed that to bits mm. but what I did love and it's uh, how many predictions or at least requests uh, have I ever put in to the Ambridge writing gods, which have actually come true. Have I said, I want this to happen in like four years loose? How many? Take a well, while. Well, shed loads, but the only ones that have worked have been Alistair and Shula. You appear to be writing the script, which is quite odd. <laughs> Absolutely. And I applaud massively the, the, the script writing team for writing a very true to life uh, breakup where one partner calls it the injured party or the one that's taken unawares, um, you know, sinks into some level of depression forward slash confusion, but gets back on that horse, so to speak. And then the, the partner that does the dumping has the wobble, you know, some messy mm. normalities is what I call for. And this is actually yeah. what we've got. Yeah. And I and it's so well written and well observed yeah. that this stuff goes on. Just because you decided to end your marriage, you don't switch off all feelings. And then to have the jealousy, that gut feeling in your belly that you know yeah. the partner before you you're ready, yeah, and you yeah. found somebody that they've been in bed with somebody else. You know what Shula said was utterly ethically wrong, morally mm. wrong, but very human and just I just. So the whole the whole scenario was just so well written, mm. so well observed, and and let's hope that they can string this out for a little bit longer before it becoming uh, totally totally boring. But right here, well, it now, it's quite interesting with Jill as well. When Jill said, "Well, he sort of moved on quickly." Mm. Didn't he? And then and then she said, "So, do you think that the reason you're now jealous is because because you might have decided that you've made a mistake?" And she said, "No, no, 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 no." But she couldn't articulate what it was apart from again, it's something that has dented her the way she wants to present herself to the village. She, she said, "I've been made to look stupid." And what she says was, "I can't control the situation," mm. which yeah. said so much, yeah. so much. Yeah. You yeah, know, that it was about control and 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 just the very fact that all the time when the, when she was understandably pent up and frustrated with Alistair during the marriage, she couldn't actually articulate it because it was about not being able to control the the actually the reaction back. I just found mm. that absolutely fascinating, and then it's kind of carried through that. Yeah. And we did say this last week, so it's all right for me to do a repeat because only only you know I'm actually repeating myself. But the way <laughs> this is being written Until now, you just told everybody. But anyway, carry right. on. <laughs> the way that this has been written, I think, is really absolutely absolutely superb. Not just from the the dynamic of two people going through a marriage breakup. And the ricocheting that goes on between what the other one does and how the other one then perceives it through the eyes of being hurt or the person who's done the hurting. But it is um, what what is what is really good about this is that when you sit down and think about it, Shula doesn't really have a support network, not not an extensive one. So her relationship with Kenton 
is almost a token one in that, yes, they're brother and sister and that they're twins, but they don't go out and hang out together. Yes, we had mm. the scene where Kenton came around and picked up her smalls and her smart jeans and, you know, her numerous cream cardigans or whatever the heck it was. And they say, and they have to keep on reminding us, the listener, oh, because we're twins. But there is mm. no deep bond between them. No. There isn't at no. all. Arguably, there's more of a more of a emotional bond has been demonstrated between uh, Will and Ed recently. Yes, you yeah. know the them pair. So yeah. you know, if you were to do like a relationship uh, kind of like graph on a piece of paper, and you go right, who is Shula close to? It was Caroline. Yeah, and, and that was where, it. And that was it exactly. She's yeah. not particularly close to David. David trotted no. around last week and went, "Oh yes, yeah, sis, so you're getting divorced? Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm getting divorced. How are you doing? Everything yeah. all right? All right, see you then. Yeah. Well, get on. <laughs> it was dreadful. But where I would say is that where the scriptwriters have obviously missed a beat, considering they planned this for quite some time, is that in hindsight, and we know that the actor played Caroline has passed on unfortunately but we should have had a couple of years ago her trotting on a horse with a best pal saying alice is a bit boring i'm a bit yeah. frustrating oh i'm a bit frustrated yeah. sorry yeah. um you know dan's left home i'm what's my role in life and, yeah. and, they, and they missed that opportunity you know so because who's she got to talk to you know it's the vicar and mm. and even he's not that sympathetic he's doing he's doing his job and he's there for his parishioner yeah. but he says you bloody burke didn't he he says no. <laughs> <laughs> he told he did tell her i'm not sure at any point he said you bloody burke but he, not sure, but yes, is he just dressed it up in a <laughs> in a much more pleasant way but that was the sun I, I think jesus would have called you a bloody burke <laughs> <laughs> on that note our loose <laughs> shall we uh go to our caller in Riz? yes Cool, right, no space to put in the Ruth call. Uh, but come back and say, who should we have first, Freeman? I don't know, because I think you've got the list now. I'm a bit confused. Right, so just okay. Let, let, I'm just going to hit these in uh, the order which they are on my machine. Okay. Let's have a touch of Dusty. Hello, it's Dusty Substances here, Hello. the wrong sort of listener. Uh, I've just been listening to Wednesday's episode uh, while giving my daughter a lift. So it's the usual um, course of events that when I am at my most shouty, I have a passenger listening to every word. Um, I was having a jolly good shout at Will to the point where my daughter then said, is he the one who's the twat? And I had to say, yes, he was. Um, (laughs) And then, of course, the joy that was Alistair confessing his one-night stand to Shula, who then hit righteous indignation uh, wonderfully, really. So I was having a jolly good shout about that, but in a really good way, because I thoroughly enjoyed that. Uh, So uh, more more humiliating Shula, please, even if it means that Alistair has to sleep with the entire membership of the Borchester (laughs) Hunt. So uh, a lot to forward to there. Uh, can I, before I go, say thank you for a wonderful evening at the uh, live recording on Aww. Monday. It was such a wonderful time. Uh, it was lovely to meet some familiar faces and to see Lucy and Royfield and uh, our, our lovely guests, Anya and Becky and Annabelle. They were such good sports and, and, and just such fun answering the questions. So thank you to them. And can I just please say, can everyone 
absolutely support Becky doing her walk to support the Sepsis Society. Uh, It's an amazing thing she's doing. So uh, let's all get behind that. Anyway, that's it for now. Love to everyone and speak soon. Bye. Bye. Uh, Should we we crack? Oh, you got something to say? Should we do a bit of Andrea Mellon? Should we go to Texas? Up to you. Uh, No, you let's do Andrea Melling because I'm going to quickly find the link to while I'm listening. I'm going to find the link to Becky's page and then give it to everybody. All right, then. Hi, this is Andrea Melling from Houston at Two Dogs Molly Fleur on Twitter. Um, I have a couple of points uh, having listened to the recent episodes. One, well, we always knew it, but isn't Shula horrid? <laughs> Alistair is just now beginning to realise. <laughs> As my husband said, Shula wanted to throw Alistair in the dustbin, but was angry someone would pick him out. Shula wants yep. Alistair to be pining for her while she goes off and has fun. Deplorable. I really hope this storyline has a karmic ending where Alistair finds true love and Shula ends up bitter and single rather than bitter and married. And my second <laughs> point relates to Nick. I love Nick. She was always a peacemaker. Surely all involved would honour her by getting together to work out arrangements that her kids are most happy with. Maybe a mediator could help, but there should be no need for a court battle. Listen to the kids, be flexible, and work together. After all, it's what Nick would have wanted. Right, uh, loose. Best wishes to everyone Ooh, in the sorry. Dumpty Dum universe. And I'm sorry if you have the Dumpty Dum dog, Dumpty Dog noise in the background, but uh, Boomer and Maggie are having a lot of fun. Bye. Ooh. That's a dog playing the organ. That's very clever. My God. Uh, You found that link? Yes, I have. Um, Sorry, Andrea, we're going to have to hurtle backwards for a little bit. Um, Becky Wright, who is lovely and played Nick Grundy, is doing a walk along the Thames Path uh, on the 8th of September. Um... To, uh, to in aid of the uh, UK Sepsis Trust, uh, which is the um, the condition that um, uh, um, that uh, Nick, the character, died of. Um, so, if you want to, please, 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 get, can you um, can you donate to it? We don't normally do please, please, please donate things apart from to us, but this mm-hmm. is such a good um, cause, and Becky's genuinely sort of interested and moved by it. I mean, um, sepsis accounts for 44,000 deaths annually in the UK, which is more than breast cancer. Um, And it's just, as we saw from the the show, which was entirely accurate, it's incredibly quick. Uh, And, you know, so little is known about it. Um, And it would be really good if we could support Becky because she came along to the Dumpty Dum Live and she was absolutely brilliant and she's always a star when she comes on the show. Um, The link is justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash Becky's Walk for Sepsis, all one word, and it's Becky with a Y, Becky's Walk for Sepsis. She spoke so eloquently about not just uh, the sepsis trust, but also about playing that final scene as Becky. Like she is one hell uh, of an actor and uh, one hell of a person. Like seriously, seriously, you know, like hats off. So get behind. And I've just looked, and Amy Gilbert has donated, and thank you, Amy. Maeve has uh, donated, and. 
I have donated and I don't know who uh, the other people are, but I'm sure they are um, uh, They are clearly very nice people. So, uh, yes, all of you donate. Please. Thank you. All right. Shall we go from <clears throat> our Becky, our Becky Wright and her good course to the kind of the, the, the zealousness of youth? Shall we do that? Yes. Hello, this is Gemma of the Dumpty Dum Youth Wing, which I didn't choose the name for, by the way. Haven't had an overwhelming <laughs> response from other youths, but that's all good. The response from everyone else has been lovely. This really is one of the most welcoming fandoms I've ever partaken in, so thank you all for that. What a busy time it has been for the youths of Ambridge. Firstly, there is the drug war. I really don't know what to make of all of that. I wonder if it's all to set up Ellis as the new criminal of the show, like the young Matt Crawford for the next few generations. It's a bit like a period melodrama, isn't it? Snobby rich family scandalously and secretly blackmailed by local villain number three. I almost find myself feeling some empathy for Freddie regarding smart drugs. The pressure on students is very real and very intense. If I didn't know better and someone offered me something to help me work more productively, or at least efficiently enough to get some sleep, I would be sorely tempted. And I definitely know people who have succumbed to the lure of anything to help them keep up. Not that I will, of course. I pride myself on being smarter than Freddie Pardita in that respect. It's almost a shame that it turned out this way if the storyline had been revolving around overachieving Lily instead, but I'm not a writer. Anyway, speaking of Lily, good heavens, we all thought it was one kind of very special episode and then it was another. I'm a little disappointed that Secret Bow did not turn out to be a girl, since Anna Tregoran vanished on that ABBA trip, LGBTQ plus representation on the arches, especially for women, is in dire straits. Russ is a creep, obviously, and there are a lot of alarm bells ringing there. Poor future Lily. By the way, I'm a little surprised that Lily's school did not apparently inundate her constantly with how to look out for predators and what they do and how they act and what to do in these situations. Mine certainly did. You know, a few weeks ago, I wrote down in my notes that I love the supportive sibling relationship between Fred and Lily. So that's me shown. There are a lot of other Ambridge youths I could talk about. Dake, Mia, Johnny, Josh, Adam's future pickers. But I'll save that for another time. In the meantime, I hope you all have a good week and goodbye. I actually think I'd slightly disagree with our... um... Ambridge Youth, uh, WW Youth Wing leader there, in that, actually, if you analyse a lot of what Freddie actually said to Lily, you know, he said, you are clever, you are beautiful, you can do better, you know, I'm the one that's as dumb as a post, etc. There's a lot of sibling uh, love there. Now, I think what's happened was that call was from two weeks ago, Um, when Freddie was being horrid to her, um, and she was being horrid to him, because she was... He thought that she'd she'd told Russ to dob him in, and um, so he was very angry with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was only this week when he found out about Russ that he then said, said to her, "Look, you're being a bit of a mug." You are right. I, I, I forgot that we're literally because we're listening yeah. in real time. Even this week, that was two very, and a half weeks ago. That was confusing. a long time ago. Can I just say what we said last week, though? Because I do think Go. that was a good point. Um, you're saying we, you, you're about to say that what you said was a good point. <laughs> no, because no, that's agree. exactly what you're about to say. Um, <laughs> it was uh, actually very good. We were I, saying last week that mm. um, uh, Lily is, although you might think, what, what is such a bright girl like Lily doing, falling for some, you know, droning perv who's kind of like, oh, uh, um. drugs are bad and care and all that nonsense and just kind of really creepy and down with the kids and all that stuff. 
Uh, and, you know, clearly, you know, I'm going to leave my wife and all that nonsense. But, for, and and she actually talked about it this week um, when she said, I am always the adult. And she's seen her mother behaving. She had a sort of a very youthful father who didn't always appear to be taking his responsibilities um, properly, even though he was at heart. Um, she's seen her mother behaving like a sort of an, an, an absolute adolescent pillock with Roy. Uh, she's seen her brother act like a Burke. And quite often what happens, I think, with children that lose a parent early they get given a role as they almost get treated by the remaining parent as an equal rather than a child because the other parent starts to lean on them slightly too much. And I think that's what's happened with Lily. So she does feel as if she is wildly more mature than the guys around her. So to her, the lure of the authority figure is absolutely massive. You know, she 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 is automatically drawn towards um She's the type of person that would, you know, she'd end up with a doctor or a, or a teacher or somebody a lot, always going to be a lot older and sort of um, with some kind of gravitas or position so that she can feel that she's with the grown-ups because that's really how she's always felt that she's had to be a grown-up earlier than she needed to have been, really. Lucy, mm-hmm. that's a really good point. <laughs> Thank you. All right. It was Let's go. All right, then. Now let's have. Oh, it's our Maeve. Hello, Roy Field. Hello, Lucy. Hello, everybody. <laughs> it's Maeve here in the big press at laughing my head off at Shula. Saint Shula. Well, well, well. So, poor old Alistair obviously hasn't had. Uh, any kind of sexual relations with Shula uh, in the recent uh, times. So when he gets the first sniff of a pair of knickers, he's off, even if it's uh, Lavinia's knickers. <laughs> she. Um, and then Shula has the, um, uh, well, has the cheek, uh, barefaced, uh, but obviously not her bare arse, um, to be upset and feeling betrayed. It's fantastic. I never thought I'd live to see the day when Shula is upended on her rather um, smug arse. Oh, yes. So cheers to you, Alistair. I'm having a glass of woohoo. And uh, and Lavinia, I hope it runs and runs. (laughs) Poor Shula. Um, Maeve sounds like she's auditioning for a Gilbert and Sullivan. (laughs) She does, doesn't she? But she sounded in fine fettle. So it's nice to hear you back in the pink soap speak, Maeve. Uh, you sound yeah. tremendous. Uh, shall we have a touch of Christine? Yeah. Hello, Royfield and Lucy. It was lovely to meet you both at last week's Dumpty Dum recording, and I look forward to going to another one at some point in the future. Now, on to this week's Archers. I have to say I absolutely loved the Alistair and Shula interactions. And... I think in common with most people, I'm wholly on Alistair's side. How on earth Shula thinks she has got any way of, any right rather, to know what Alistair's doing is completely beyond me. She's decided to end it all. She's effectively said it's over with him having no say in the matter. And now he's actually done something. She suddenly thinks it's terrible. Well, 
words just for her behaviour, but I have to say I can't say I'm wholly surprised. She wants to be the one who, she's the one who's been bored. She's the one who wants to go and have fun and find that he's doing that instead of moping around at home is absolutely more than she can take. But her reaction in all that she seems to care about is the hunt and how people will laugh at her. Well, tough, he can do whatever he wants and she's, as he said, got to suck it up. On a different tack, I have to say I was completely disappointed with the storyline that appeared at the end of the week with uh, Lily and the deputy principal. Just hopeless was how it was to me, or what I felt about it, that he would be doing that, that she would fall for it, and it just seemed so completely out of character. Game of two halves, apart from I also love the way Jenny is behaving towards Brian. I think we're seeing 40 years of her having to put up with his shenanigans now coming out and for once she's got the upper hand and she's making the most of it. I'm sure it'll be sorted in the end but I'm enjoying it while it lasts. Thank you very much. Bye. Well, you uh, very uh, eloquently and eruditely said uh, that the Lily thing is completely in character. So, um, so let's move on from that. But we haven't talked about Brian and Jenny, have we? Well, we did last week, but not this week. It's it's interesting how we're seeing a lot of older women renegotiating their relationships with their partners mm. at the moment. Jennifer is doing it in a very... Shula's just sort of thrown the baby out of the bathwater and just went, oh, just bugger off and <laughs> we'll, you know, just just do that again and sort of go, trying to go back to sort of year zero kind of thing. Mm. It's almost like let's pretend we were never married. Um Whereas Jennifer's saying, now, look, Brian, I have done an awful lot for you and I expect certain things in return. And I don't want to keep, she said, lurching from crisis to crisis. I want to actually be able to. She's remarkably no. She said, "I'm you're 73 now, Brian, or something. I thought, good God. But anyway, um, you know, it, 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 I want to just be able to sort of... Um, you know, it's payback time. I want to be able to relax now and know that you're not going to go cantering after everything in a skirt or, you know, do some dodgy thing that results in people being backed over in cars and and fake race tracks and everything else. I just want everything to calm down a little bit, which requires you to stop acting like, you know, J.R. Ewing. And uh, it, it, it's, she's, I think Jennifer's dealing with it excellently, really. She's kind of said, you're not coming into my bedroom until this is sorted out. And, you know, he said the right things and he actually acted correctly. And so she said, okay, then. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, sorry. I, I, I was, I was somewhat distracted by a tweet, right. But I, I was with you there, sister in spirit, if not actually, actually uh, properly cognitively paying attention. So thank you, Roy, for that makes me feel very special. <laughs> Do you listen? You know, when I go on my little one mm. diatribes, do you listen? Do yes. you hang off every word? Not map corner, but the rest of it, yes. There you go. So the answer is. And was that wasn't no. a diatribe. You asked me a question, I was answering it, and then you stopped listening. It's like being married. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do. We are Brian and Jennifer. Well, that's, what's, that's what's going wrong here, <laughs> Minus the cravat. <laughs> yes, we are. Um, and, and, and the, the other. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And the tap that does the sparkling water. But anyway. We're not really like Brian and Jennifer at all. Um, no. Christine, um, lovely to meet you at, at the Dumpy Dum Do. 
And uh, did you actually speak to Mr. Christine? No, because he was too shy. Well, that's what I remember. But I, I, I remember she said, like, come over. Then I got waylaid. Somebody kind of, like, jumped in and went, hello, no, 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 I'm talk to you, like this. And I didn't get over there. What's Prince Philip doing now? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I didn't, didn't he look old and frail at the, the royal wedding? Well, he is 143. Uh, I think he's fine. He's 95. But anyway, he's, he's got every hip. reason to look uh, old and frail. But my God, did he look old and frail. Anyway, mm. here we go. It's Julia Amelia. Hi, Dumpty Dum. This is Eulalia Amelia oh, from well, yes, very sunny Romania. I think it was snowing <laughs> last time. the pronunciation of your name. Um, but now it's summer and it's beautiful. I'm just calling in to say what is wrong with that college. I'm a teacher and <laughs> yeah. I can't think of any any relationships between staff and students, no matter what age, that I've ever heard of in this day and age. And yet Pip and Jude... Ugh, um, happened not that long ago and now Lily and Russ I also don't believe people are called Russ in this day and age but that's just <laughs> weird um, I'm also fairly sure they used to make a big deal about Jude wearing a leather jacket like is that the sign of a lecturer that can't keep it in his pants I'm just a bit disgusted and also don't think it actually goes on that much because it's not legal anymore even though they're over 16 and that sort of thing, because the lecturer is in a position of power. So don't really believe it, and it's all a bit weird. Don't like it. Bye! Ooh, a bit of Romanian traffic there. Now, Jude was she not She flew a up lecturer. in her private jet. <laughs> Jude was not a lecturer. He was just much older, and when David and Ruth yeah, first he was saw a her, yeah, they presumed he was her lecturer, yeah. and then he, then they snogged, and like, what the hell is going on? So um, I, I think he did have a leather jacket. There was some kind of, he was much, you know, he was trying to mm. be younger than he, than he really yeah. was, and it does feel like, like the same story's been repeated, but it, it was quantitatively different there so just saying um yes this russ character i actually do know a russ so you can be called russ in in this day and age just saying uh what do you reckon (laughs) (laughs) but i think i think she's absolutely right about the the um i mean both my children are at secondary school and they're you know the the, uh, the the care around safeguarding is absolutely enormous and there you know that it would just be so unlikely that anybody i mean i know it clearly does happen but um it, it's not it's not nothing sort of common it's nothing it's nothing common and it's nothing um uh th- 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 nothing would be overlooked or a blind eye wouldn't be turned or anything like that unless the school was about to you know go into special measures for that very reason um but also you know my my son's just come back from skiing uh with the school and the most thrilling thing for him was once hearing his head of year swear when he fell over and uh, William is still talking about this as, as such an exciting <laughs> happening because it was a teacher breaking out of the, you know, breaking out of that, um, uh, of, of, of the sort of that, the teacher role. Um, but the, uh, and, and, but the idea that you could sort of go from, the, from that sort of awe to then, you know, shagging a teacher and nobody noticing, saying anything about it, other teachers not noticing, 
a blind eye being turned to family members, you know, drug dealing because of this relationship is just, you know, it's really Hollyoaks, I think. Mm. And and the other thing is as well, is that it does feel somewhat jarring, the, the fact that we've heard little and nothing from, yes, we've heard a little bit from Freddie. We, there has been a little bit of a lead up with this whole kind of drugs thing, but it, it, we thought it was literally like a two week wonder about four months ago, didn't we? And then then it's come back again. But to have them pair, another pair of uh, siblings, twins, to echo the Kenton and Shawler thing, yeah. um, just kind of go from nowhere to massively centre stage, mm. somewhat kind of jarring and mm. the generation yeah. gap as well. So you didn't yeah. feel like, oh, my God, we're listening to a completely different soap. Like, we haven't been yeah. eased into it at all. We've heard nothing from Lily at all recently until this storyline. And then and this Ellis character as well. I mean, who the hell is he? He sounds remarkably posh to be going to that school because that college because Freddie's always going on about everybody there is you know when we first went he said everybody there is sort of rough and and you know Mm. and um and and Ellis sounds extremely sort of well-spoken like some kind of smooth gangland toff and um you know but we know nothing about him we've got no context to put him in Mm. true 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 and, and we've got no context to put Russ in either. It just feels like they've been sort of wheeled, put like cardboard cutouts, just been wheeled past to give the twins something to bounce off. The, the other thing I would say um, in response to our Romanian caller is that I'm sufficiently old enough now to know of, off the top of my head, four instances of lecturers, um, teachers, people in positions of trust and power having relationships with with students with you know really with yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 it happened in my senior school and was told um told a story by somebody who i met a couple of years ago um and she was not at all aware basically when she was uh she was the the her high school's sports star track star i forget what distance she ran let's just say it was 1500 meters for sake of argument and she was very close to uh, her coach who was the the gym teacher there and they'd go off to meets all around california and she was 15 and they started to have a sexual relationship and it lasted for years she said right and she said my parents trusted this person and i loved him she said i loved him and he was when they started, he was married. He did leave his wife, but obviously he couldn't leave his wife for her no. uh, openly. And she says, and in the last six months, it, it became, he was very jealous and possessive as she wanted to go out with her friends. She says, I'd gone through my adolescence where yeah. I was a great runner, a great athlete. I was the star of the school, but everybody was going to parties, you know, having fun. And I mm. was going off and had to these track meets. Yeah. And, he said, "My and, and they said her parents were actually paying for two rooms of hotels, and then they would never sleep in one." And she said, oh, she said "This went on for years." And she said, "I loved him. He loved me." And then she said, "And this was two years ago. This is before Me Too. This is a couple of years ago." And she said, "I two things about it. Number one, the guy who she married, um, they weren't actually friends at school. They met after university." Um, a few years afterwards, so in the mid, early to mid twenties, about the age of twenty three, 
and she bumps into this guy and she doesn't recognize him but he recognizes her because she was the, the high school track mm-hmm. star yeah. and they end up having a relationship and she says about third dating he said to her so how long were you and coach whatever his name was cat coach smithers having having this affair and she said i was like gobsmacked i didn't even know this person and she said wow it was so obvious everybody knew now oh. this was the 1990s admittedly right when, mm. uh, she said everybody knew he said it was so obvious right number one then number two she even to this day says it was a loving and consensual relationship she says yeah she knows that at the age of 15 it can't be but she says in my heart he wasn't a he didn't abuse his position and she says it's only in the retelling of this story to my friends in the last couple of years because she's kept it so quiet. Mm-hmm. And she said all of my friends that didn't go to that high school just go, what? You need to report him. He needs to be. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think he was still, you know, he was older than her, obviously. But I can't remember the age gap because it's all a couple of years ago. But she said there is nobody I can tell this story to without people just being shocked and horrified. And yeah, she said, yeah. it shows you how times have changed. She said, don't get me yeah. wrong. We knew that it was wrong enough that we that we had to hide it. But yeah. moving forward, it just horrifies people. And they literally want to hang, draw and quarter him. And she said, yeah. we were friends on Facebook. But because my friends, you know, two or three new friends that she told about it were just so horrified she said i defriended him etc etc and said mm. please don't contact me again and and she said because he'd liked a picture of one of her kids or something or another and she, right yeah yeah but now i admit that you know this story was like you know it's 20 years in in, in the gestation so to speak mm. but i refuse to believe and especially if you read american media in, in the way in the way that i do these stories are ten a penny, ten right. a penny, and specifically, and I'm not making a, a, a wider cultural point, but they, it happens in the south of America. I'm not going to say it happens in every high school. I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go that far, but stories of um, teachers, uh, people in positions of authority, having affairs with students, safeguarding or not, it happens mm. all the time. And I don't know why it happens more in the South of America than it does in in the North and the West. I don't know. I don't know whether it happens a lot in the UK, and then we we deny that it happens or it's hidden, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I, you know, I know of many a story of a, a teacher that has done things highly inappropriate, which has been hidden, yeah, by by other members of staff. So this stuff right. does go on. And I think you make a really excellent point, Lucy, by saying that the, the the character of Lily, she thinks that she's written written the rule book on life anyway because she's so mature. Mm. So mm. safeguarding be damned, this person reached out to her when she was a, uh, and 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 touched her and connected with her about the loss of her father. It was years afterwards, and she says it was the first time that I cried. About- yeah, but that's what a, he's. That's what a predator does, isn't it? That's what, a groom, that's what grooming is. Absolutely. But as far as she's concerned, it was genuine. Mm. It was real. Yeah. They shared oh, the yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah. He was yeah. there for her. He's the only person that yeah. understands her. Safeguarding. Yeah. No, he's going to leave his wife. You know, she's written yeah. on, on, on everything. So, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. Hmm. 
I went to school in the 1990s mm-hmm. and I was walking along in the sixth form. I can remember walking along with my friend Judith to our tennis lesson and the geography teacher following us and saying, it's uh, legs like that that make me feel glad, I make me feel happy I can come to school in the morning. Good God. And I was 15, I think. And, um, oh, yeah, the, the, the head of sixth form would comment on what the girls were wearing saying to me why can't why don't you why don't you ever wear shorter skirts um and you know this was really really not very long ago mm. and when i tell my daughter about that she just is incredulous she said mummy they should all be in prison mm-hmm. <laughs> you know they're kind of they're so uh, sort of everything is 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 easily fixable because everything is wrong and everything is right now and all um at that age but you know it's just absolutely astonishing that these things that so that we've come so far in our attitudes. So I suppose I am naive to think that, you know, yes, that's all sorted now. <laughs> and thinking about it, when you look at a newspaper like the Daily Mirror, or the Mirror, as it's called now, they would go out of business if there wasn't, well, A, if social media stopped, because that's where they get all the stories from. And their second source of, of story is um, usually female teachers having sex in caravans in Arkansas with 14-year-old schoolboys, apparently, Absolutely. because that seems to be an endless source of, you know, prurient excitement for everybody. Absolutely. Um, and it's not, it's not just male teachers going after, you know. Well, dare I say, I, I'm, I'm guessing that, there are a lot of that, but the sensational aspect of the female teachers doing it is was actually yeah. what sell, what, you know, what creates clicks and, and sells, uh, yeah. and yeah. sells papers. But hey, but yeah, yeah, this stuff does go on, which is a reason yeah. why safeguarding. Well, while well, you need the safeguarding because you know the, yeah. it's still going on. Anyway, on that sad note, let's have a touch of Jen. This is Jenna at Jenna Ravioli on the Twitters. Call in ring after a long time. So a few things I must get off my chest. First is Adam <laughs> teaching us the importance of grammar again this week with, and I have to put on my moany voice. Tell anyone you can, Pip. I'm desperate. It's a well-written <laughs> sentence. Changing topic entirely. Oh, boy. It's Open Farm Sunday again already. I'm so excited. I live in a town now that operates on one of these annual and seasonal schedules. I've started to get it, but I'm with most of you guys about how terribly, terribly dull that is. Um, Next was I love getting to take Eddie seriously. I think it's so important and that Nick's death is is a really fascinating vehicle for rehabilitating some much maligned characters. Um, they're being re- rehabilitated, at least in the listeners' eyes or ears, if not among the characters themselves. Um, mm. As we see, the what I think is a pretty worthwhile redemption for Eddie and mm. also Susan and Will, yeah. Um, yeah. even if they continue to quibble among themselves oh. and to know them better and appreciate them as sensitive, loving, kind friends and neighbors. Um, and finally, and, and, and I want to say most importantly, Freddie Harger has ADHD. He does. There's no way he doesn't. I, I wrote down a few things. He says something like the drugs when talking to Lily he says, they're not stupid. They're brilliant. Like for dealing smart drugs. And 
he says something like for the first time in my life and trails off like Freddie is doing better because he has a condition that needs something and I know I'm an American and I know how you guys feel about pharmaceuticals but I'm out of time oh there you go she was out of time <laughs> I like that bit of self-editing. I'm out of time. That's a good point. So he might actually have something wrong with him that requires these drugs. So actually, they're doing. They are genuinely helping him because he's got a, he's got something wrong with him that needs fixing. I'd never thought of that. Mm. <laughs> I thought it was a, a very good observation. Well done, Jenna. And also, she's absolute. She's absolute. I think she's completely right about rehabilitating the characters. We saw Susan behaving very wonderfully with Clary, and it reminded because sometimes you can listen to the way Susan thinks. To, Susan talks to Clary and think, "Why the bloody hell doesn't Clary just bang her over the head with a yogurt pot and walk out?" You know, but she and she puts up with it, and you think, "Why?" And then you then you hear Susan doing what she did with the rotor and all that stuff, and you kind of think, "No, she does genuinely." have a good it's confused and often good in the Absolutely. wrong direction but she has a good heart and she does she does genuinely love clary um and you know eddie trying to be as forceful as he can with william but at the same time being respectful of clary's need for everybody to 100% support william even when what he's doing is frankly bonkers mm. yeah and it's just been really good to paint the Grundys as a caring, compassionate mm. family who Especially when you compare it with the Aldridges who are imploding. Yeah. Absolutely. So in stark contrast. Kind of genuinely pulling together and supporting each other. And then you have the Aldridges who are all battling and twitching and blaming each other and everything else. Though um it's good to see the rapprochement between Adam and, and Brian and you know, yeah. you know Adam saying, "Come on, look, look at these sprouts or whatever the heck they were looking at the other day." There was, yeah. you know, and uh, Brian, oh yeah, I'm of use. So I'm, you know, I haven't been out to party yeah, yet. Yeah, you know, that was good. But just considering that the the Grundies are always the, the family of pathos, aren't they? Things always go wrong, yeah. and this is this has been a very tragic incident. But um, the interplay between Clary and Eddie has been lovely, and and their concern. And also the fact that because um, we never Eddie never talks about losing his mother and for him to talk about that and him being no. a teenage boy and going through it uh, was really good. So we understand what Jake's going through, et cetera, et cetera. And they know that Will is doing the wrong thing and projecting. All- Andrew with three uh, yeah, Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> and Euro Disney Andrew and uh, you know, projecting all. Oh, you know, all the things on to Andrew, which is actually he yeah. is, is kind of doing and stuff. But, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, more power to the Grundies. But then also the fact that there was a really touching scene last week where Will did remember that it was um, Ed and Emma's wedding anniversary. And they were there yeah. know, to help to help him out, you know, selfless act on their wedding anniversary. And they just thought, well, this guy is still going through a stage of grief. It might be stage five, but he's still in it. So we're just going to have to show up and, and help look after his kids. And he did acknowledge that, you know, and, and that and that was actually touching. So, you know, lots of nice, uh, nice moments last week in, in our archers. And that was definitely one yeah. of them. No, yeah. and, and just to show that, you know, Will, the character of Will, is going on an arc and because we haven't talked about the whole kind of cricket thing and the fact that Harrison, you know, it was it was a 
uh, a charitable thing. No, it was a, a therapeutic uh, gesture mm. for him to to captain the team, to take on some kind of responsibility. Um, you know, dressed up um, in um, a little bit of kind of kind of charity and stuff, and, and that was kind of cleverly done as well and stuff. So, anyway, I'm wittering. And I think we should have some Witherspoon because it's a long time since we, we've heard from our psychotherapist over there in the Upper East Side. Greetings, Lucy, Royfield, Robert, Millie Bell, Yoko Bear, and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. We had a lot of Lily and Freddie this week, and like her or not, Lily is coming into her own as a character. We found out that she's engaged in a relationship of unequals with Deputy Russ. We don't know much about Russ, except that he's married and is significantly older than Lily, at least according to Freddie. We haven't been privy to the interactions between Russ and Lily. I would really like to have heard some of that, but I was struck by Lily's heartfelt confession to her brother that she's been overwhelmed by the pressures of being an overachieving, fix-everyone-else's-problems type of young woman. Freddie decided not to blow the whistle on the couple. Was it a reasonable and understandable decision? I thought so. All of this reminded me of a personal experience. I had a childhood friend named Sue who sadly has died of cancer, but with whom I attended school from primary school through university. We were overachieving types like Lily and who populated Princeton. In the middle of our senior year, after not seeing her for a while, I ran into her and she confessed the secret. She was a resident advisor to freshmen and had embarked on a relationship with one of the assistant deans of, no pun intended, student affairs. He was 12 years her senior. Now, I wasn't in the position to blow the whistle on her, but she did ask that I not tell any of our friends, which I respected. It was 1979, a different time, but I do Mm -hmm. remember quietly questioning the appropriateness of their relationship. Well, it continued. They married and remained so for the next 25 years until her death. That's just one story and does not make Russ's relationship with Lily okay. Russ is clearly violating some ethical boundaries and school rules. How will it end up? I don't know, but we can predict not well. I'll leave it there. Talk to you all soon. Toodaloo. Blimey, everyone's at it. Mm. I'm clearly the only person who never, well, I never fancied any of my teachers for a start, but blimey. There we go. Surely fancying your teachers is kind of part of just of kind of going through school. There must be someone, one of them that you thought was Yeah, cool. it's just a way of varying the monotony. There you go. You know, to, just to fix say. Oh, no, there was Mr. Ashley. Yes. Oh, what did he teach? Well, interestingly, well, sorry, you should never start a story with interestingly because it immediately sets people up to go, no, it isn't, and stop listening. But anyway. <laughs> He was a very Heathcliff lookalike mm. games teacher. Mm-hmm. And being somebody who is pathologically uncoordinated, games was my least favorite sport. Uh, it was my least favorite lesson. I got told off for bunking it. I used to go and hide in the library and they would, but they would call me out and they, one of them said to me once, who do you think you are? And I said, I don't I don't think I'm anything. I just think and I know I'm terrible at games and I am much better off in the library. Nobody wants me on their team. I don't want to do it. Why do we have, you know, and she just went absolutely berserk at me. Anyway, so considering that he was a games teacher, it was incredible that I liked him. But he also, because I was at a school that was extremely understaffed and everything else, he finished up doubling up as my English teacher 
for a while. And he introduced me to Joyce Grenfell. It's the most bizarre. And I can see him now. He was sitting in his in his um, cricket whites, this Heath, massive 50-year-old Heathcliff bloke doing impressions of Joyce Grenfell going, George, don't do that. Um, it was absolutely phenomenal. And I'd never heard Joyce Grenfell before. And I was amazed that you could, that a bloke would laugh at a woman in that way, that a bloke would find, and a bloke like him, a sport bloke, a real man's man, would laugh at a female comedian, that I'd never come across that before. And um, yes, so I had a huge crush on him, and that is why. There you go. We all have had crushes on on our teachers. It's just a part of growing up and and going to school. Mm. Mm -hmm. Who was yours? Well, funny enough, I was telling somebody this story just today, and I'm trying to remember why. Um, I I found myself, where was I? I was in some cafe and I was chatting to somebody who who was a teacher. That was it. And um, it's half term. And I don't know why, but we ended up just kind of talking talking about... we ended up talking about crushes over a coffee before she she went off her way and I went off on, on mine. And my first day at school, um, I remember walking up with my mum. And back then, so this is about 1974, uh, you didn't have to start on the first day of term. I do not know why, but you could come halfway through the year. Mm. So I walked into this classroom and... Everybody had already, had already already knew each other, and it was halfway through the morning, even uh, just before first break. And I remember Mrs. Nolan saying, "Right, Royfield. So what you need to do is you need to draw around these shapes, and it was shapes of animals. And I remember it was an elephant. I remember the first thing I did at school was to draw around the shape of this orange <laughs> elephant on a piece of paper with a pencil, and that's what we had to do. And then at break time." At playtime, I'm just sat, sorry, stood in the corner and all these kids are running around like whirling. And I'm just about to cry because no one's talking to me. I don't know what to do. And Robin Pickering comes up to me and says, do you want to play choo-choo trains? I went, yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) And um, and he says, I'll show you how you play it. And we went up and down these lines. And he went, woo, woo, choo-choo. (laughs) this was primary school not secondary school wasn't it this is university lucy (laughs) and that that bloody slap-headed bleeder is still my friend to this day on facebook he he was from an irish family i can can tell you're very fond of him because you call him a slap-headed bleeder (laughs) yeah oh god i I love robin pickering and we shared uh many a moment kind of still play trains or not no we've put the trains uh behind us but the whole point of this story is to say that that my first year in reception class is indelibly written into my my memory because of one Mrs. Nolan, Aww. and she was so lovely. She was so helpful, and she was so pretty. And I was four and had a crush on her. And I know <laughs> how how deep it went because <laughs> at the end of year assembly, so we got to all the way to the end of the year, and. Um, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Pritchard, that was our headmistress's name, Mrs. Pritchard, she comes along and says, oh, listen up, children. She was very, very uh, Joyce Grenfell. She was really right. that type. She was, even in the 70s, she was a woman out of her time. Right? Mm. 
She barked things at you. She wore tweeds at, the, at this mm. kind of state primary, uh, junior school, et cetera, et cetera. That's more Margaret Rutherford than Joyce Grenfell. Well, no, that's yeah. it, Margaret Rutherford. Yeah. That's exactly who she was. That's what she was. And I remember her once when, because, um, you know, me, me and spelling, I can't spell. I spelt bird, brid. I remember saying, right, Phil, that's his bread, boy, bread, bread, boy, bread. And all the spittle oh. just hitting my face. Oh. <laughs> anyway, so he says, okay, so children, um, we've all had a wonderful year. And say some news for you. Mrs. Nolan is about to emigrate to Australia with her family. So we'd like you to give a round of applause and wish her bon voyage from everybody at Green Home Junior School. I never cried so hard oh. all my five years of Lucy, that woman devastated me. It's <laughs> like, how can you leave me like this, Mrs. Nolan? <laughs> you help me draw around the shapes. I was like, I was beside I'll myself. i never draw around an elephant again with that. <laughs> so yeah, it starts oh. pretty young, Lucy. It starts pretty young. I took it so personally so personally that's the power of you know a, a mind which is going through its formative mm. stages and someone yeah. who you, you fixate on who yeah you know for whatever reason you know she didn't yeah. do anything inappropriate with me I was four and four or five for goodness sake yeah. but she was the yeah nerd. I know but it's completely normal and it's like the therapist right it's completely normal for a student to fixate or have a crush yeah, upon their absolutely. teacher. That's been going on forever. Mm. What's not normal or appropriate is for the teacher to respond. Mm. No, and listen, absolutely, absolutely. But I just hope that Mrs. Nolan is, um, she would have retired by now, I presume. Ring in, Mrs. Nolan, that was freaking <laughs> out. <laughs> Better still, Mrs. Pickering, ring in and go through his, not Mrs. Pickering, Mrs. Pritchard, or whatever, yeah. what was she called? Yeah, no, she, she's long gone. Long, long, she, sad thing about her, she's totally um, of that age, which is all about duty and work. And when she was retired from the school, and I think she'd been the headmistress of that school since it opened in, I don't know, like 1950-whatever. 18 months after retirement, dead. You know, it was that she had yeah. no reason to get out of bed. Oh. Yeah, incredibly sad, incredibly sad, you know. But it's a different age, and she, but she, she was an amazing woman. You know, she's all about empire, you know. Right. One. Yeah, a woman out of time. Anyway, we've got uh, one last caller in her, and um, he's a new inductee to the world of Dum Dum. Hi, I've just joined. Uh, my name's Trevor. Um, I've been a Archers fan for over 20 years. I haven't listened to it for, well, since uh, around October last year, actually. Um, I've decided to take a break, but, you know, I'm sure I'll start listening at some point again in the near future. But I'm still a fan. I started listening, I think it was back in the mid-1990s, because I've always been a listener Radio 4. So that's how I became aware of the Archers, actually. And I just got into it, you know, and I just started, as you do, I just started listening to it more and more. Some of the characters, I must admit, I find a bit funny. David and Ruth, for example, and Brian and Jennifer, posh Jennifer. I really, <laughs> I mean, her accent is just, um, it's just so funny. 
So yeah, I'm trying to make I'm trying to fill the whole two minutes with as much pos- as much as possible. I think <laughs> I've I've said just about everything I wanted to say. And good luck to the archers and I love you all. Thank you. Bye. Aww. Rev, we love you back, sir. We love you yes. back. Welcome on board, the good ship. He didn't do any of the things, did he? Well, to be fair, Luce, this is kind of your fault in the nicest possible way. Oh. Because you going on that radio show, on proper radio, broadcast radio, has brought in a whole load of new listeners. Traffic has, has spiked. Uh, we've had... Um, yeah, oh, God, yeah. We've had old uh, Yokel Bear... Uh, saying how there's been loads of new people registering on, on the Book of Face and all sorts. And I think oh. our Trev is one of those. So hence, oh. he's bumped into the podcast and, and said, oh, yes. the speak pipe thing. But he's not part of the law. Reveal yet. yourself, Trevor. Yes. This is not good enough for you to just go, hello, I'm Trev. You have to come on and give us your inside leg measurements. It's very important. Absolutely. And just whilst, just whilst we're on this uh, Trevor call and Trevor talking about accents, um, you know, Lucy, that I, I moonlight on various other podcasts. And yes. one of the other podcasts that I moonlight on is a thing called uh, The Things That Made England. Myself and yes. a wonderful guy called David Crowther. And this week we touched on accents. And mm-hmm. and the whole point of the, the show is that we talk about something which we think is not necessarily unique to England, but is fundamental to its makeup so we talked about um the dane law which has helped to create the accent divide that we have in the uk but then also um, we are um one of these countries which is very scarred by not just where somebody comes from in terms of their regional accent but also their the class distinction and stuff so mm-hmm. I thought Trevor talking talking about Posh Jennifer and, you know, her voice making him laugh kind of reminded me of that. So, dum-de-dum listener, um, if you want to hear uh, a couple of old farts pontificate um, about accents, not about which accent is necessarily better than the other, but how England has developed its various different regional accents because of Viking invasions, etc., etc., then you can then go onto our Facebook page and then vote as to uh, whether you think this is significant in the cultural makeup of England that has helped make it distinct. Go to the things that have made England. Big plug. Now, Lucy, when are we going to have another walkie-talkie before we go into an ad break? Um, oh, God. I've, uh, yes. I've, well, you see, I met a man and I decided I was going to – I asked him if I could record him and he said yes. Mm-hmm. And I put him in my phone under the name of his dog, not him. And now I can't remember his name or the dog's name. <laughs> and I'm going to have to ring every person in my phone. Fa- but the dog had a human name. It was called something like Douglas, something like that. So I'm going to have to go through my phone and ring every every man's name in it that I don't know who they are and say, are you the man I met in the woods? <laughs> Which, <laughs> a bit odd, but that's all I can do at the moment. But as soon as I've done that, I have to summon up the courage. As soon as I've done that, chaps, I will record another one. You just reminded Absolutely. me of um, um, a, a little light note to a not so light topic. So, um, I mean, Ma said that this, there's his family friend um, who um, had some cancer treatment. And I, I was in uh, in America at the time when, when she told me this. And she said, look, so this is her number. Um, just send her a little text. Just say you're thinking about her. Right. So I, so, so I sent her a text. And, I, you know, I said, uh, 
I heard that um, you're going through some treatment and just to let you know that even people from the other side of the world are keeping you in their thoughts and in their prayers. Yeah. All right. And she sent back this lovely email. I was, oh, thank you. You know, I need all the the moral and support that I can get. Not moral support. I need all the emotional support for people just thinking about me and sending me energy and light and love from all around the world and blah, blah, blah. So six weeks later, I sent another little message saying, oh, hope the treatment's going well, um, etc." All right, it was very short. And she went and she texts back, yes, it is. Then I got a call from this man saying, hello, who is this? And I said, oh. it's Royfield. He went, and he paused. He went, oh, hello, mate. He says, my wife's been getting these messages from a stranger. <laughs> <laughs> He says, oh, now she knows who it is. And you can hear in the background, he says, oh, phew, like this. I was like, no, it's me, like this. And he says, oh, thank you for that. But, like, she was getting a little bit worried. But anyway, <laughs> modern first world problems. Anyway, on that note, let's have an ad break. Come back the other side and a touch of Millie Bell with our social media roundup. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to The Things That Made England. I'm Roy Phil Brown and with me I have... David Crowther of The History of England. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. She was the people's princess. She'll fight on the beaches. Oh, hey, man. These are the things that made England. She'll fight on the landing ground. These are the things that made I England. I have a body, but of a weak and evil woman. These are the things that made England. And a king of England, too. These are the things that made England. Cry God for Harry! And these are the things that made England. England! And St. George! These are the things that made England. 
It gives wind in Churchill's sails to say we can continue to fight on. Well, there cannot be many more famous events in English history than 1066. It hurts, <laughs> even now. Because 1066 is important. Yeah. But there's aspects of modern British culture which I think get overlooked. So I'm proposing that this week we do scar. For me, the English flag has in the past certainly become associated with factionalism and, well, hideous racist and far-right views and it's turned into a thing of disunity and almost xenophobia. The idea of this show is to decide on what things that make England... As she is, the country that, despite it all, we feel lucky to be part of. Every week, one of us, that is David and I, will pitch an idea to the other to be designated as one of the things that makes England distinctive. Go and join our shiny new Facebook site where once a month we will post a poll where, should you so desire, you can make your own very suggestions for applications to the I Made England Award. So, without more ado, let's do it. Good day, everyone. Uh, we had a lot of uh, discussion this week, but I'm going to concentrate on two things in particular. One was um, a discussion we had about why Shula was calling what happened with Alistair an affair because she told him the marriage was over, uh, she, he wasn't pretending that he wasn't having a relationship and I just thought her outrage was a bit ridiculous. Um, and we had a lot of comment on that, I can tell you. Sasha Manesh said, not your business, Shula. This whole I don't want you but I don't want anyone else to have you is disgusting egoism. Uh, Kelly Schroeder said, if you go back and listen again, Susan greeting Shula was hilarious, given what we found out later. Yep, I did, and thank you for that tip, Kelly. I had completely forgotten that. Valerie Bayliss said, hypocrisy at its finest. How dare she unilaterally decide the marriage is over, then play the outraged wife? Yes, I do feel she's losing ground, Valerie. So I've stuck up for her up until now, but I'm not so sure now. Uh, Joanne Smith, tomorrow he could he should suggest that she moves out to Lower Loxley because living with her really isn't working for him anymore. <laughs> and Fiona Griffin said, ah, the famous friend's dilemma. Were or weren't they on a break? It's cuter when it's Rachel and Ross, though. Yes, absolutely true. Uh, so lots, lots more on that thread. That really did start off a discussion. So if you're interested in that, please jump in. Um, also, we discussed the deputy principal. Now, we started off discussing it when Freddie had been asked to come in and we wondered, is he going to be offered an academic scholarship? Um, what's the prediction? Natalie Lander said it wouldn't be too serious as it's only the deputy. Witherspoon said the deputy principal is waiting with the local constabulary to arrest our Freddie for drug dealing. In the ensuing melee, the senior police officer and the deputy principal are left dead. Freddie's arrested for murder. As the bars of his jail cell, are lo- j- jail cell are locked, Freddie admits, I shot the sheriff, but I did not shoot the deputy. Very good, with a spoon. And Paul Green said they have complaints and have come in to the realisation that Freddie is really a character from the famous five and is annoying. <laughs> so they are expelling him. Okay, so we had lots and lots of predictions, but we now know how it panned out. And I was furious because... We have really, really strict rules in Australia um, about uh, young people and how we look after them and protect them. And I'm confident that you had them before we did. So I just asked the question, sensible Lily and the married deputy principal, really? 
While Kate Nichols said, yet another episode to make me cross. No deputy head would be so stupid these days, whether married or not, because of safeguarding it, and he would know his career would not be worth losing over it. A storyline from a few years ago, possibly, but not today, surely, or Lily has no idea about hashtag me too. Donald said, I love today's episode. Brian backwards on a horse collecting elderflowers, only to be handed clean sheets for his bed. Yes, that was funny, wasn't it? Then the revelation with Lily, fantastic. She needs bringing down a peg or seven. Makes up for yesterday's one when I ended up sitting in my car shouting at Shula for being such a fucking self-centred shitbag. Oh, okay then. Um, Valerie Bailey suggested that uh, the artist is getting a little desperate for storylines or watching too much EastEnders. Phil Park said it was outrageous. Two exclamation marks. I say outrageous. Lots of exclamation marks. And Kate Lyle said, oh, it's bloody ridiculous, starting with the fact that you don't have to climb a tree to pick elderflowers and Ari's being an Arab and therefore completely inappropriate for a country gentleman to be riding. And that's before the wealth of other absurdities. And are we supposed to assume that Russ is not investigating the drug dealing properly because of his relationship with Lily? There's so much more in that vein. Anyway, lots and lots of fun, uh, robust discussion. And I was really glad to hear that you do... Ha- we don't call it safeguarding, but really glad that you do have strong safeguarding rules. So I'm, I'm just confused. Um, hope you all had a wonderful uh, royal wedding. Have to say, couldn't give a tinker's toss myself, but so many people over here do, and we were deluged. So like it or not, you had to watch it. But if you did want to watch it, I hope you enjoyed it. So until next time I'm, I speak to you, which is in a fortnight, um, I say hooroo. Thank you, Millie Belt, as always tip-top Bristol fashion. And I hope all you people on the Book of Face are appreciating the wonderful work that our Millie Bell does because there's shed loads of you now and I know it's all being active. Now, Lucy, let's have some tweets of the last... Oh, are you going to do the last 14 days' worth of tweets or are you going to condense um, it down to seven? No, because I thought some people would then forget what the hell the tweets were about, That's which true. wouldn't really... That's true. <laughs> that could be said for half of the anyway. show, actually. That's true. Mm. Yeah, well... People are just going to have to get used to that bit. Uh, I mean, I think that <laughs> regular listeners are used to not knowing what we're talking about for a large percentage of the time. Um, right. Tweets of the week. Uh, at the Oval Pigeon. Brian and Justin sitting in a tree. P-I-C-K-I-N-G. Elder flowers for Jenny to make up for Brian being an arse and flooding the kitchen. Eggstones. <laughs> <laughs> um, Said, the way Susan carries on, I wish Neil would embark on a very public affair with Hannah and Jazza. (laughs) My God, can you imagine? Um, Kerry Warbis. Well, seeing to Lavinia's schnauzer is evidently preferable to seeing to Shula's bearded collie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Sam Mary D. Mark II. Why would Jennifer have missed Brian in her room? You just know he's the kind who snores, farts, and slaps you on the arse with a cheery, fun time's over, after sex. <laughs> you think what's disturbing about that is that it sounds like the voice of experience, and I really hope that's never happened to her. And um, Tweet of the Week is um, at Little Kim, who, uh, this is after uh, Johnny got smashed in the head with the... Um, when the brick came through the window, yep. courtesy of mm. uh, the answer to "How's your head?" is never had any complaints, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> Very rude, selection this week. Um, you uh, 
poo-pooed my idea of people sending in uh, posterior views of their dogs whilst on walks, and people have been sending them in. I know, dogs' asses, I know. are on the Twitters, and there's a very lovely one of, of Angus... And I know, uh, and loads I of people have liked that. it. It's a lovely little video of him wad- waddling, waddling up the road and whatever. So, um, if you um, have a pooch and you think that its uh, posterior is as beautiful as its front end, why don't you uh, send us that in in honor of Linda Snell uh, to to the Dumpy Dums on on the Twitters, and that'd be awesome. Yeah. Most, mostly to Royfield because I don't want to get a load but, of pictures of dogs' asses. Yeah, but. To dumpty dum, Lucy. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Carry on as you were. Bye. Right now. <clears throat> <clears throat> Sorry, cl- cl- clear, clear me throat. Sorry, that was a genuine clearing of the throat. Um, yeah, dumptydum.com. We've got some new stuff in our shop, so go there, have a look at it, and and it's awesome. Uh, tractor. Now, ooh, talking about tractor. So you know the whole point of tractor, Lucy, is we have this big I'm map. No. Yes. Do you have a problem with that? Do you have a problem with, no, with, with me, you know, letting out that Ex- side of me? No. Well, good. No. You know, keep a hat on it. <clears throat> prejudice and, you know, men have got to be like a certain way. Forget that. I am who I am. Now, <laughs> Tractor, it's a big map of the world. It kind of focuses on the UK, but it is the whole world. And if you are a uh, listener of, of the Dumpty Dums, you can go on there and pin yourself to it. And the whole point is, is that then you'll see if there's another listener, another fan of Dum Dum and the Archers who, who lives close by, and then you can communicate with them via social media, maybe have a little mini meetup like I did a couple of weekends ago. Now, remember, Lucy, that I uh, witted on about the Ambridge uh, single social group on Facebook. Yes, yes. Hold. Have you pulled? You, you have, haven't you? Lucy, I am so anonymous on that group. I'm there, but I'm not really there. Right now, they've only had their first engagement. No, um, Archer's fan Jeremy Farthing posted last night at Susie's birthday party. I proposed, and she said yes. Is this the first engagement in the group? And there is a lovely picture of our Jeremy and Susie looks properly made up. And I have to say, I have to say, Jeremy, you've done well there. She, she, she's a bonny looking lass, but they look very, very happy. And I know I've said this before, but this isn't just a group about, you know, let's, um, as you would say, Lucy, bump uglies between, between ourselves. It's a genuinely wonderful, warm group. <clears throat> Sorry where people talk about um, feeling a little bit lonely, get going through a breakup, but also just what's on TV tonight. And people are just so warm with their answers. And it looks like Jeremy and Susie are going to be the first uh, first couple from the Ambry Single Social that have, uh, they're going to get hitched. And it's just lovely. And there's like a shed load of likes and everybody just being lovely. And then there's just people talking about them having dates and and, and just what to do. So if you are single and, and, you know, single and you don't even want to necessarily mingle, it's, you know, and actually have a date, just go on there, join it. It's a lot of fun. And, um, and they're a lovely bunch. And I wish old Jeremy and Susie all the best.
So, uh, me too. Whoever they are, hoorah! <laughs> now, um, do you want to do the Patreon bit because you did it rather well last week? Well, I'm not going to. I'm going to do that next week. Oh, because right. I've already at the moment. I'd rather people sponsored. Oh, that that's a very excellent Becky. point. Uh, we like that. Well done. Uh, well done to you, Lucy. So I'm going to just move on to say that, um, and you'd think after doing it for 220 times, I wouldn't need to even look at the script for a cue, but I've lost myself. So remember to get in contact with us. You can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe to be like Trevor or Dusty or Gemma or any one of the many people we had actually on the show. That's how you would get on. You click SpeakPipe on our website, which is dumdydum.com, or you can call us on 0203-031-3105 if you just have a phone because you don't know how to use the interwebs, which is be somewhat surprising because you listen to a podcast, but you never know. Some people have to use the telephone number. So that's how you get on the show. Now, on social media, specifically Twitter, you can find me, Royfield, and our Juicy Loose at dumdydum on the Twitters, as I said. And Lucy is at... Lucy V. Freeman. And I can be found at Royfield. And then, of course, there is us on Facebook. Whew. It's been a bit of a mammoth show, that, Luce. It was. Mm. So, um, any Parthian shots? Um, Why no, don't you read out Becky's like... stuff just one more time? Okay, yes. Um, I've got to find it again. Hang on a minute. Yes, go to justgiving.com forward slash Becky's Walk for Sepsis. Uh, and that is Becky Wright, who uh, played Nick in The Archers, who is walking to raise money for uh, the UK Sepsis Trust. Awesome. Fitting end to um, an epic dum dum Toodaloo. See you all again in seven days' time. That was cool. Now, let's hit stop. I have recorded a few podcasts since that thing just didn't save. Right, so I'm going to hit stop. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.